0: Most believers, of course, have a favorite verse of Scripture. Perhaps John three sixteen or Romans eight or twenty eight and twenty-eight, or maybe you even have a favorite psalm or a favorite chapter of Scripture. Favorite texts were often framed and hung on walls and many a Sunday school prize. Consisted of a text of scripture framed and often the text was sent set against perhaps a background of a beautiful garden. Now, let me hasten to say of course that there is nothing wrong with having a favourite verse or having it framed or hanging on the wall. You've heard me say this before. I repeat it because it was so important to remember that there are no orphan text of scripture. In fact, if a member of the early church came here and saw our Bible with verses and chapters, they would be quite amazed. Because the originals didn't have verses or chapters. They came later to help us, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you see, for the early Christians, they read everything straight through. And they didn't say, Here's a tax, we'll take home and pin it to the one. And again, I'm not saying you should never do that. But when we're dealing with the word of God, whether it's in our own private reading, or whether we're teaching in Sunday school, or we're preaching, it's so important to remember this is the word of God. And all tax belong in the context famous 19th century preacher rejoicing in the name of J.H. said a text without a context is a pretext and that's something we need always to keep in mind. So with our favourite verse remember it doesn't have an isolated life and I've often been amazed at where I've seen texts of scriptures Ever Oakley, who was a lecturer at the Baptist College in Belfast, said he was driving along one day and suddenly a car cut in in front of him, and there on the back bumper was a tax Lord, preserve my going out and coming in. <laughs> and that same lecturer had the honesty to say, if I had a text of scripture on the back of my car, it would take me longer to get to college. So we need to be careful, not about God's word. Now, but anyhow, I want to stress again, I'm always anxious that you don't think you shouldn't have favorite text of scripture. Of course you should, and rejoice in it. But remember the belong in the family. So I wanted to look at an example of what is a favorite text of scripture from the Old Testament. The words, of course, are these from Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Call on to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Now when you look at that verse, there's an invitation to call on the Lord. A guarantee he will answer. And for some people, the very fact that it says great and unsearchable things... That's a very attractive thought to know strange and unsearchable things. But let's examine the verse in the context before thinking of what it says. Remember, the verses had immediate meaning to the people to whom they were addressed, like Jeremiah and others. So we read this, that Jeremiah, we read from verse 1 of chapter 33, while Jeremiah was confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. So then, this verse 3, the words of this verse, they're specifically, directly given to Jeremiah at a particular time in a particular set of circumstances. And it's crucial always to remember that. Jeremiah was a prisoner of King Zedekiah. We know that from verse 1 and what is said in chapter 32. So the first thing we have to remind ourselves, this is the first given to God's servant, the prophet, who found himself in prison. Jeremiah was a prisoner in the palace courtyard of King Zedekiah. He was a prisoner because the king did not like the message Jeremiah brought from the Lord. And his treatment of Jeremiah Zedekiah showed how foolish he was. He did not like the message Jeremiah brought. But Jeremiah was a true prophet of God. He simply brought the message that God had given him. Jeremiah had real integrity. God had given them a message to the king. And Jeremiah knew that his responsibility was to declare that message fearlessly. It's true that Jeremiah's message was that Jerusalem would be captured by the Babylonians and furthermore we know, of course, that the message naturally was not very popular. Jeremiah must have known. People are not going to like what I've got to say. But he brought the message nevertheless. Because he was a faithful prophet of the Lord. And it's a reminder too. For preachers. That when you've prayed. And when you have sought the Lord. And he's given you a text or a passage of scripture that the preacher has to declare that which God has given him without fear or worry. How will people react to this? Oh, what will people think? And all preachers are human. And you could understand like Jeremiah you could be, maybe slightly tempted uh, to somehow change the message in the but Jeremiah wasn't like that. Jeremiah had integrity. From a human point of view, we one could understand Jeremiah not wanting to deliver his message. His message after all, was rather like that given to Jonah regarding Nineveh. You remember that message. Jonah go to Nineveh and tell that great city you have got to repent or otherwise you will be destroyed. Unfortunately, Jonah wasn't quite like Jeremiah. Jonah sought to escape his responsibility and go down to Joppa and he thought he could escape God because he didn't like what God's message was. And Jeremiah being human, being a man, must have thought to himself, this is not a popular message. But he went. Nevertheless, he went, knowing there might well be possible consequences for him. Indeed, there was. So then that's the first thing, the most important thing to say about this verse of Scripture. So what then is the next thing? While lingering in prison for no other offence than being a faithful prophet, Jeremiah receives an invitation. What an invitation it was. And that he's done so, that that invitation has come to improve, among other things, he's not forgotten while in prison. At times, Jeremiah might well have thought when day after day went by and nothing happened, he may well have been tempted to think, God has forgotten me. In fact, when you read the Psalms, you discover often the psalmist was beginning to think, I think God has forgotten about us. Even the people began to think like that. So here is something to encourage Jeremiah. God has not forgotten them while he's in prison. So why do we turn to this invitation? First note who it is from. It is from the Lord. Verse 2, this is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed and established it, the Lord is his name. Notice carefully three times he is told that the invitation that that has come to him is from the Lord. First he is told that it is the Lord who speaks that it is Jehovah the Almighty he who is omnipotent all powerful it is Jehovah the one whose name is so sacred to the people of Israel they would not speak it. Even to this day, Jews, if they write the word God, they will put G, then a dash and D. I know that because we had a Jewish friend who would write her. She wasn't a Christian, but sometimes she'd talk about God, and it would be G, writing it G dash D. God's name is so sacred to them. Interesting and hard to come to terms, God's name is so profoundly sacred, they wouldn't say it. But it is this person, this God, who now speaks to Jeremiah. It is Jehovah, the one whose name is so sacred, people wouldn't pronounce it. Secondly, he is told that he is the one who made the earth. The Lord who formed it and established it. He it was who established all the laws of nature, established day and night. In this chapter, God talks about I've made a covenant. There will be day and night. He it was who established all the laws of nature. So perfect. Of course, they're all in place even to this very day. We all woke up this morning. You expected to wake up this morning, of course, and you expected it to be light. And it's easy to forget that out all comes about because God has set it so to be. And it never alters, it never changes. You set the stars in the sky and all the wonderful ways, and there they remain. All this, you see, is to encourage Jeremiah as he's in prison so thirdly Jeremiah is told again that the Lord is the one who speaks that is to remind Jeremiah that he the prophet he's the prophet of the almighty true Jeremiah is in prison for his faithfulness as the prophet of the Lord yes that's true However, that does not mean that Zedekiah, who imprisoned him, is greater than God. No, it's not that. Zedekiah is a mere earthly king and sadly a rather foolish one. He didn't take heed to God's message through his prophet, he puts him in prison. But God reminds Jeremiah that he, the Lord, is almighty. He's the one who made heaven and earth, Zedekiah. On the other hand, is a mere human king. And his fate is guaranteed. And that comes to pass later. So this is the invitation from the Lord so now look at this invitation call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know the opening words of the invitation are call to me and to whom is he to call He's to call to the Lord the maker of heaven and earth He's to call to the almighty the one who is omnipotent and has no limits to his power And that was so wonderfully displayed in creation. But of course, it's not just that Jeremiah is to call on the Lord. That by itself would not be very meaningful. But Jeremiah is to call on the Lord who will answer him. And who will tell him great and unsearchable things, things that at that point, we're unknown to Jeremiah. In these words, God is answering perhaps what probably would have been unspoken questions of Jeremiah. What exactly is going on? What's going to happen to Jerusalem? Why has the Lord allowed me to be in prison when I was merely faithful as a prophet? No doubt. Jeremiah must have wrestled with those questions in their loneliness in that cell. What's it all about? What is going to happen? Why am I here? When all I did was to be faithful to God, yet here I am in this prison. In this invitation, God is saying to Jeremiah, call to me. And I will tell you what is going to happen. Come to me and I will enlighten you and tell you things of which at this particular moment of time you are ignorant. Now notice two important facts in the invitation. First, Jeremiah must call on the Lord. He's not promised help by remaining passive, not doing anything. He must actively call on the Lord. There are certain times when God acts on our behalf without us praying. But that's more the exception to the rule. But we are urged ourselves to call on the Lord. Not just simply to sit passively, perhaps be complaining and grumbling. About such a situation. If we're in a time of need. Whatever it is we're invited. To call on the Lord. So God invites Jeremiah to call to him. It's as, if it's, it's as if God is saying to Jeremiah. Here I am. I'm waiting. To hear from you. And it's quite legitimate. To apply those words. To ourselves. This principle. That we can call on the Lord the problem is we don't call often enough certainly there is the promise of an answer God says to Jeremiah I will answer you in other words if Jeremiah calls he will not be disappointed he will be answered he is informed that he will be told great and unsearchable things things of which he is ignorant of at that particular time Yet whatever these things are, they must be of some help to Jeremiah there in the prison cell. For Jeremiah to be told great and unsearchable things will not in themselves be of great help to him. But God is going to reveal the things to him that will help him. And this then is God's gracious response to Jeremiah's need. Jeremiah is in prison as a result of faithfulness to God and God has not forgotten him. And that fact in itself must have been a great comfort to the prophet. God hasn't forgotten me. I thought he had, but he hasn't because he's spoken to me and he's given me this great invitation to call on him. And he's promised he's going to reveal things to me. Things which I do not know about at this present time. But he's going to do that. God is about to do things regarding Jerusalem and its people that Jeremiah could never have imagined. You read that in the rest of the chapter. God is going to display his power not only to his people but also to the enemies of the people of Israel. God's going to show them. That he's very much in charge of the situation. Yes, Jerusalem's is going to be brought down. The people are going to go into exile. But God is going to do great things to bring his people back again. He's going to do it in such a way that it will be a display of his power. Not only to the people of Israel, but to the enemies of the people of Israel. Well, now, okay. That's all very well. So how can we make this verse our own, so to speak? How can we make this a favorite text? What can we draw from it? Well, we can draw certain principles from it. But can we expect God to show us great and mysterious things? Not very likely, not least, because he's told us all that we really need to know in the Bible. This is God's final word to us all. This is it. He's told us all we really need to know about life and death. When God promised Jeremiah that he would... Reveal great and unsearchable things to him, that was relevant to Jeremiah at his time. But there are lessons that we can learn from this verse. Now, what are they? So, what can we draw from this verse given to Jeremiah, these words? Well, we learn of God's faithfulness. In spite of all that seemed to be to the contrary, that somehow Jeremiah was abandoned, God had not abandoned him. God's faithful. And we can be sure, all of us believers, of God's faithfulness to us. His promise never to leave us, His promise never to forsake us. We're told he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we can always confidently trust him, no matter how bleak a situation might be, no matter how uncertain a situation might be. We always know God is always faithful. He never forgets his people and how precious that is. That's something we can take from this verse and make it precious to ourselves. And Jeremiah was told he can call on the Lord. And we are told Hebrews 4.16 that we can approach the throne of grace. The throne of grace. To find help in any time in need. In other words brothers and sisters friends we too Can call on the Lord and call with complete confidence. We may call on our friends at times for help and find they're unable to help us. But that's never true of God. We can call on the Lord and He will answer according to our need. It's very important when we're praying to remember, God will answer according to our needs. He will answer in a way that's meaningful to us in the situation we're in. If we need wisdom, who doesn't need wisdom? But if we need wisdom, we can call on the Lord and he will answer us. James tells us, Does anybody lack wisdom? Let him ask God who gives generously. He's already given us that wonderful book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes as well as so much else in the scripture. Parts of it are known as wisdom literature. So we feel a lack of wisdom. We can ask God and he gives generously. If we need guidance in our lives, he will guide us in the way that we ought to go. But we need to be careful when we're looking for guidance as to the way that we ought to go, that we haven't already made up our minds, say, that's the way I'm going to go. And then, as it were, looking to the Lord to give us his approval. We can look to the Lord to guide us when we come to him openly and honestly as it were. And he will guide us. He will direct us in the way they ought to go. Who then is a man that fears the Lord, he will instruct them in his ways. So he will guide us. He will lead us. Every step of the way. But most important of all, if we call on him for salvation, that greatest need of all, we can be sure he will answer for it, says in Scripture, in God's word in Acts two twenty one. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. And that's something wonderful we can draw in principles from this text of Scripture. That if we call on the Lord for salvation, we shall be saved. And I trust that all of you here this morning are those who have called on the name of the Lord and to know that unspeakable joy of knowing the Lord as your saviour there's no greater need for human beings than to know the Lord as your saviour so here's a text of scripture a lovely text you can put it on the wall you can write it, no problem there just remember to whom it was first written and then remember there are these wonderful principles we can draw out from it And make them our own. Because it's legitimate to do so. That God is faithful. Invites us to call on him. And especially if we call on him for salvation. We shall be saved. Let's pray. Father in him we do rejoice in the holy scriptures. We thank you for them. And we thank you for all your exceeding and precious promises. We have proved them to be true. Trustworthy and reliable. We ask you to give us wisdom as we read Scripture and as we seek to learn from it for ourselves. Guide us and help us. We pray again for those who are Sunday school teachers and those who are at camps and instructing children and young people. Give them wisdom too, Lord, as they seek to make the Word of God known. We thank you, Lord, for the Scriptures. Here we have them in our own language. They're so precious to us. We just ask you to give us wisdom as we read them and as we seek to live by them for Christ's sake.